Charlie Bales is the current general manager of the defending USL2 champions, Des Moines Menace. In this episode, we talk about Charlie's path in becoming general manager and now what the future brings for soccer in Des Moines. As always, this episode is brought to you by Set GK Goalkeeper Gloves. Gloves by the pros for the pros. With six different models to choose, they guarantee you'll find the feel and fit you're looking for. Use promo code JG25 at checkout for 25% off your order. Set GK. It all starts with your set. Charlie, thanks for coming on, man. This is a it's a great pleasure to to talk to, talk with you. Uh, Jesse, thanks thanks for having me this afternoon. All right, so as you guys heard, Charlie is the greatest general manager in USL League Two, and I guess former boss of mine when I was with the Des Moines Menace. But uh, off to a strong start in the season, Charlie. The first question, by the way. You have a Wikipedia page, dude. You're like, you're big time, man. You, you made it. Well, I, there's a Wikipedia page, and I, I personally didn't make it either, yeah. <laughs> despite what people, some people will say. So yeah, people, it, it does mean I made it. Hey, does mean that. That's pretty cool. But um, yeah, man. So first, before we start getting into you know your path to being a GM, what happened? You know, what what were the steps there? What would you do after college? Where'd you play in college as well? And kind of just walk us through that. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, I am a born and raised Iowa soccer player. Uh, we'll go, we'll go back way to the roots. So it can, it kind of leads into some of the stuff that I like to talk about as far as, you know, being the co-GM of the menace now, but born and raised Iowa soccer player. Um, the Iowa youth soccer scene back in the day was, was not, was not the, the, the strongest. Um, but you know, came through there, was fortunate enough to get some collegiate looks, um, and was on a, a, a very good club team, um, that where we combined a few of the different clubs and our parents just made our own club essentially so that we could get more looks. Um, maybe 10 or 11 of us ended up playing division one soccer. Wow. So I, I, I went to Western Illinois university. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a mid major in the summit league. Um, and you know, got, got a, a very, very solid scholarship offer there. So took my talents to good old Macomb, Illinois. It's, it is your typical like small college town. Um, about two and a half hours from where I'm from. So it was, it was, it was good to, in the sense that my parents could come watch or friends could come visit, but at the same time, it was a completely new place um, with new people. Um, And I had a, had a successful college career there. Um, I fancied myself as a, as a, as a winger um, growing up and quickly found out that at the division one level, I was going to be an outside back. Yeah. but I just continued to play like a winger and it worked out. So, right. um, it, you know, uh, we, we won two summit league tournaments, which, uh, in a league like that, it, you need to win your, your tournament right. to get to the NCAA tournament. So, um, was fortunate enough to play in two, two, two NCAA tournaments, uh, never won a game, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, had a very good time at Western. Absolutely love Western. It was, uh, one of those programs where we took pride in having le- you know, doing more with, with less. Um, so not the greatest practice facilities and, uh, a lot of guys that got overlooked by larger, larger schools, but, um, kind of played with that chip on our shoulder and really enjoyed the group and still very close with a lot of the guys I played with. Awesome. Um, me personally, I, I, I I think I was first team all conference three or four years and, um, was the summit league defender of the year, my sophomore and senior year. I got, got robbed. My my junior (laughs) year should have been the first one to do it three times, but, um, 
no, I had a had a tremendous experience. Met a lot of really good people, um, and and absolutely loved my time at Western. Did you Did you know you kind of wanted to get, or I guess you wanted to play professionally? I would assume after just because you um, you did play, you know, pro for a little bit, and yeah. then. But did you always kind of think that you were going to be a general manager, or is it you know? No, no. <laughs> but working it like you know, what was your thought kind of as you were graduating? What was the the career goal for Charlie? Yes. Yeah. So obviously like, like almost anyone who's going to go play collegiate soccer, um, a a lot of people still do have the aspirations to play professionally. Um, I did as well. I, um, I can honestly admit, admit that I was one of those guys, um, that, um, I didn't essentially like I I was gifted and I didn't have to work super hard away from playing, um, in order to, to, you know, achieve certain things. So, um, you know, I went from I went from club where it wasn't a super high level to high school where I could I played rover for my high school soccer team and I would take goal kicks and chase my goal yeah. kicks and and do that. Play rover. Um, you know, start, start started every game at Western Illinois, uh, and had great success playing with the Dwayne Menace as well. Um, and then I, you know, leaving college, I had a bunch of trials with uh, USL Championship teams, and this was before League One was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the jump from what I had ever experienced to USLC was, uh, yeah, like eye opening. Yeah. Um, I wasn't fit enough to get like anyone who knows me knows like I love soccer. I also love food and, <laughs> and other things. So like, I, yeah, um, I, you know, I, uh, yeah, I like my my fitness level and, and uh, like even like down to a first touch. I I couldn't get away with some of the things that I got away with. Right. Um, previously or had success with so you know could still smack a ball like with 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 the best of them sure um, yeah. so, but but uh had a few trials and i i did a preseason with charlotte independence mm-hmm. mike jeffries was my coach in des moines uh he brought me in um just wasn't like just wasn't at the speed yeah um I, I my my claim to fame is i played five minutes in the first ever um usl championship game for the charlotte independence Atta boy um <laughs> worst five minutes i've ever played um, to, to be frank, I didn't know that, uh, I thought once you made three subs, you were done. Yeah. Um, so I was, you know, boots were off, sh- uh, shin guards were nowhere to be found. And I was, you know, told I was going in the 85th minute, uh, not quite in the right mindset to do so right. and, and played shockingly terrible. was let go the next Monday. Gotcha. Um, which, Stop. you know, that, that led to me playing some indoor, mm. you know, indoors, indoor. Um, I wouldn't consider myself a, a professional soccer player because of indoor, um, so kind of, um, between that figuring out like, all right, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was, uh, was what started to lead me to, um, you know, potentially thinking about, I, I want to be involved in the game, uh, in what capacity do I want to be involved? Um, so I did, did some youth coaching, did some club stuff, uh, did, did private sessions. Um, and ultimately some of the experiences that I had, uh, with the Des Moines Menace as a player, um, I started hopping in my, my, the fifth year I played for them, uh, started hopping in the front office, started learning some things there. And then after, you know, experiencing maybe the parents, uh, with youth clubs where you're paying for your kids yeah. to play soccer. Um, I knew I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna, <laughs> I wasn't gonna excel in that space, right. um, because of my need and want to win. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, things kind of worked out for me as far as openings with the Des Moines Menace, but 
um, getting a taste for it while I was still in college and still playing for the menace is what ultimately kind of led me to decide, hey, this is something that I'm interested in pursuing. When were you first officially appointed as as co-GM? And co-GM, Lau Han, obviously couldn't be on the episode, maybe mainly because yeah. they, they don't, I don't think, wanted to be, they don't want to respond to, to our text. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, when, when were you first appointed? So um, this, this whole menace process for me has been, uh, well, first off, it's come full circle because... Um, even as a kid growing up, I would pop over to Des Moines and play in some showcases with the Des Moines Menace Academy team that was a year older than me back in the day. So, you know, knew some of the guys from around here um, and knew, knew just of the organization. My dad and I, I think, drove once or twice, you know, two hours across the state to come watch Menace games wow. because um, it was and is the highest brand of, of, of soccer here available mm-hmm. to, to youth players. Um so, and then playing for the Menace, I played five years uh, for the Menace during the summer, had an absolutely you know, great time as well. Um, and, you know, after, after that, uh, after going to grad school, there was a, uh, for the first time ever, they decided to do account executives, like, hey, we're going to actively have people sell tickets. Right. Um, I just got my master's degree from Western Illinois. Um, wasn't necessarily sure if I wanted to take a minimum wage paying job to you know, come and sling $5 tickets, yeah. but uh, knew that if I established myself and got into the organization, got my foot in the door, that um, I could help in other in other uh, areas. For sure. Um, and did so. So was was doing some marketing efforts in 2018 uh, when I first joined the club, was doing, you know, video and helping with graphic and mm-hmm. uh, graphic design. So uh, I did did a summer of ticket sales. Uh, I then was hired by uh, Tylee Nunnick, uh, the GM at the time, to do uh, be the sales and marketing manager, so that was the jump from selling tickets to selling sponsorship, mm-hmm. um, and then you know taking the, some of the stuff that I enjoyed with marketing, uh, and that honestly goes hand in hand when it comes to sponsorship activation. Sure. Um, so so did that for I believe it was about maybe I, I think I did that one for a year as well. Yeah. Every time I got new, every time I got a business card, I needed to get a new <laughs> one. Like the folks here weren't happy, right. weren't happy with me. But um, and it has been. I think officially in, in August, it will be two years okay. as myself and Lyle being the co-GMs. Yeah. So uh, we we were appointed prior to the 2021 season. Um, we happened to win a national championship during the 2021 season. So, you know, uh, yeah, maybe what we're doing is correct. <laughs> so I'm not sure. Hey, man, that's not a coincidence. So speaking of the national championship, so I mean, yeah. what, what's it take to, to really be successful at the USL2 level? Just because, you know, there's there's some clubs that, do it for the academy teams. There's some clubs that I don't. I don't think really get it. So I mean, what, you know, what's it? What's it take to be successful? And Menace, obviously, being an established brand, helps with that. But from your perspective, just being involved and in you're playing and now GM days. What What have you noticed that it takes? I yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think it's a great question. I think there are. Um, I think there are a lot of different answers because you can do this. You can do this cor- uh, in a correct way. Um, using a bunch of different, let's call it formulas. So um, whether you have a super established academy and this is the top of the pyramid for those kids other than other than going pro, um, I think that I've seen success with clubs. Take a, take a St. Louis Scott Gallagher from last summer, for instance, mm-hmm. where these are kids that have known each other since they're 14, mm-hmm. 15 years old. They uh, go off to their respective colleges and it's an opportunity to come back and play together again. And that, that makes for a very dangerous group right. because you know, whereas a Des Moines Menace is coming together and you have seven days, okay. 10 days to learn player tendencies before your first match. 
um, you know, that can be something successful. Um, and, and there's a bunch of other ways as well. I think that what I'd like to hone in on is that at the end of the day, I, I do think that, and, you know, we take great pride in taking care of the players mm-hmm. uh, and, and the coaches and staff and front office and interns. So I think that, you know, providing them with things, whether it's, uh, you know, housing, um, uh, if you can get them some, some, some grocery cards to help them yeah. out during a summer, if you can provide opportunities for them to make money via camps and other things. Uh, at the end of the day, the players, I, I, I'm a firm believer in the players giving back to you what, you know, what, what you're affording them. Um, and me coming from, you know, the whole angle of, uh, listen, I've been in these locker rooms before. I know, um, I know what guys show up to the summer with. I know, you know, uh, the, the odds of them having a TV in an apartment mm-hmm. or what a struggle it was to get internet for a summer in a day and age where half these kids are doing summer right. classes. So, um, I think there's just the whole coming full circle for me has, has led me to, to believe that putting the players and coaches first and making sure that they're taken care of uh, will ultimately lead to, to success on the field. Yeah, love that. And I can definitely vouch for, for everything you just said. I mean, it was, granted, my health wasn't the greatest, but the experience itself in that summer was, I mean, it was, under, it, it, it really did feel like a professional club. So um, you guys, you guys kill it out there. But that being said now. And you had your own, you had your own bedroom hey, too, which was, bedroom. that was the first time we upgraded we upgraded the coaches from a two bedroom to a three yeah, bedroom I mean, because I had noticed that they, like these grown adults didn't always like sharing a room. Yeah, so. yeah, that and um, and then, <laughs> and then the kids came, not my kids, but obviously when we had the kids there, yeah. it was um, it was a fun time. But correct, going off that now that you know talking about what it takes to be successful, what are what are some challenges now that that you face every day just being being in the USL too, and obviously financially is not for some clubs for you guys. I mean, might be a little bit different, but what are challenges that you guys face every day, every season? Yeah, I think that um, USL League Two is a very it, it, like it's it's a very unique uh, situation because you know these kids at the end of the day these kids are borrowed talent. Mm-hmm. Um, they are the majority of the, the the kids in this league are playing uh, for their colleges um, and taking care of them, making sure that you are maintaining very good relationships with the universities and you're sending a kid back to them better than what they arrived is is important to us. That being said, you know, the way that the menace operate is we are, we're looking to build the, the most competitive team possible. What that means is we bring in plenty of players who are, who are the guy at, at their university. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you can only dress 18 and only 11 can start yet, you have uh, beds for 32 guys. Um, it, you have to have a certain mentality as a player, um, in order to be okay with, okay, I'm the guy at my university, but I'm not, I might not play here. Right. Um, and so the management, I I do think the management of all these different personalities is always going to be one of the toughest things. Um, you know, they, there are over a hundred other teams in USL league too. Um, and so, getting players in or like saying, like announcing, you know, back in January, February, March, a pending league approval, we're bringing in this guy. Um, You can talk to any GM in the country and um, by the end of the summer, the number of announcements you made compared to what your roster looks like is going to be very different. Um, And for us personally, a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, who, who really wants to be here, who knows that like, and there are players that know and recognize, and you, you saw this as well, Jesse, that 
hey, I might not be getting the playing time, but I don't necessarily – like, I'm not going to find a better training for environment sure, day sure. in and day out. Um, it just – it's – you just have to be okay with being behind the scenes and not having your, your name um, up on Twitter for, for, uh, for game days. Yeah. But um, there are guys that are okay with that. So the management of personalities is a big one yeah, for I mean- us. Not to cut you up, but the perfect example of that is a guy like uh, Rashawn Wilkes, who came off the bench most games. He ended up getting drafted, right? So you know, it's like things like that. I mean, the environment you guys. Yeah. Create. So the so yeah. So the official the the official count from uh, from the twenty twenty one roster is fourteen guys playing professionally, either in the U S. or or in or in Europe. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Fourteen. So um, some of those guys, you know, may, maybe one or two of those guys were, you know, left because they weren't getting playing time. Um, you got guys like Rashawn and Chandler O'Dwyer mm-hmm. for the Richmond Kickers yeah. right now, who they were getting Chandler, uh, Chandler and Dressen in some games. You didn't make the correct <laughs> or or a max of a max of thirty minutes yeah. every match. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the 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 recognition of list like this. I'm surrounded by top players. These guys mm-hmm. are like we're all here for a common goal, and that's like we are bringing in players that are want want to become professionals, and we see them as having an opportunity to do so. So yeah. Um, just getting them to buy into like this is this is this is your team this is your group we're gonna fight for one another and you know be be loyal to, to the crest and the brand is is sometimes difficult. Yeah, I mean it's it's almost I mean yeah you definitely got to leave your ego out the door when you come into to the environment but I mean if you when you do that and say okay you know I'm doing this for two years down the road when I go play pro you know there's Correct. like you said 14 guys playing professionally from from last year's roster I mean that's nuts like you guys. I've built that brand, that expectation that you're you're bringing in guys who want to be in a pro environment, and, and they're right there. So that, I mean, that's that's awesome. Fourteen. I didn't realize it was that many. I knew I knew a few of them had three drafted, but wow, wow. Yeah, it's a it's it's a large number, and you know, uh, kudos to you and the rest of the staff for putting them in a place where they can be seen and succeed. Uh, but it was, um, you know, winning a national championship doesn't hurt to shed light on some right, of the talent. Exactly. So, win the natty. Now you're coming and you're facing a little difficult situation in the offseason looking for a new coach. What, yeah. what were you looking for in a new coach and how how'd you go about the hiring process? You know, and I think, too, it's, you know, it, it's tough to find coaches for the USL2 level, especially maybe not even coach in the area. So what are, what are some of the main things that, that you were looking for throughout this process? Yeah, listen, we had, uh, I want to say in the end, it was over 250 applicants wow. uh, for this position. Um, and obviously worldwide. So, um, I think, I think for us, one of the most important pieces, obviously, and or sorry, for obvious reasons was the, in, in some way, shape or form, a tie to collegiate soccer here in the U S mm. um, that's, you look around the league and you know, this is the path to pro and this is where that's where the talent's coming from. So, um, having, having experience, uh, in, in collegiate soccer in some way, shape or form was, it, it is and was very necessary. So, um, uh, from from there, it was taking a look at okay, what does what does that experience look like? Um, you know, going moving from there, it was okay. Are there individuals that actually are like have they played or coached in USL League Two, formerly known as the PDL? Um, and that's not necessarily like a, a make or break, but it, like I said earlier, this is a um, it's an interesting league and, yeah. and like, you, to you know need what to know, yeah. you need to know that this is, this is different. You need to know that, Oh, like I coach college soccer. I signed someone, they're going to stay with me. And, and, and like, that's not how this works. Right. Um, 
So it's, it's league two can, be, can become the wild, wild west <laughs> sometimes. So, uh, you know, taking a look at some of those experiences was important. Um, we felt as if, you know, getting people um, or finding a staff that is the, the younger hungry individuals mm-hmm. um, and, and looking to continue and further their career versus um, someone that was on at the end of their career mm-hmm. um, was something that we were intrigued by and interested in. Uh, and then once we started narrowing things down, we started diving into the individuals who had applied and finding out exactly what their networks um, in, entailed. And, you know, we landed on we a ton of great applicants, um, landed on Dean eventually, mm-hmm. uh, Dean Johnson, um, and a lot of it had to do with his ability to recruit. Yeah. Um, he is, he's, you know, uh, a young, hungry individual. He's on his phone 24-7, has a ton of connections. Um, you know, we can take a look at a player and he'll know a friend of a friend who knows this guy yeah. and get a hold of, like, he's... In a, in a time where, you know, we we had to hire a coach and then a season was starting. Um, I think that we I think we announced Dean only a few weeks before Open Cup right. or maybe a month. Like I, I can't remember exactly the timeline, but we needed someone that could like work hard, work fast, and have an established network in place. Mm-hmm. So that that's a lot of the things that kind of led to to finding and hiring of Dean. What are some other things that he does well, maybe on the field and with the guys that you've seen so far? Because as you know, and I mean, it's always great to have a you know interactive GM who's there who supports and you know who really is there with the players and the coaches. So, what else does does Dean do well? Yeah, I think that Dean, um, he's I want to say he's thirty one, uh, so he like he can get on with the guys. Yeah. Um, like there's there's obviously the level of respect, but at the same time, can have uh, some of the the conversations that you know someone that's not too far removed from the game mm-hmm. um, will, will still understand um, as far as like what the players are are doing and going through and and other things. Um, I think that as well as well as Dean. So we we he, Dean has two assistants and Adam K and Ross Fitzpatrick, mm-hmm. who who are fantastic with the boys. Um, and then uh, hired a goalkeeper coach in Omar uh, Badron, mm-hmm. um, who's who's very very very. Um, skilled as well um so the four of them i think all bring different things to the table um dean is dean is a little more you know laid back and watching whereas like his first assistant adam is uh your typical guy from the uk cracking jokes yeah. and yelling at guys and, and running the sessions and doing things mm-hmm. so it's like a they play off one another very well right. uh almost like a me and lyle situation yeah, yeah, yeah. at the end of the day yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, um but it, you know i i i do think that um, Dean on top of just not only just having the network, once he gets the guys here can make them f- feel and, and know that they are a part of, of a family that's just like, you know, going after the same thing. Yeah. So now we've established a brand, recent national championship. Um, the process and the hope is to get Des Moines and to get Iowa a pro USL championship or league one team. Yep. What, yep. what's going on with that process and, and how is that? And what's the thought of you even being a, a general manager of a, yeah. you know, truly professional I mean, club? Yeah, I, it's it's super exciting, right? So um, it, it, it gets confusing at times because individuals here in, in Des Moines um, kind of see it as, or, or you know, uh, are mistaken in thinking that 
oh, we're building a, a downtown stadium and bringing a USL championship franchise. What's going to happen to the menace? Like, oh, you're running the menace out of town, but Kyle Kraus is, is the man behind both. Yeah. Um, whatever, whatever, like we're going to do whatever makes sense, uh, makes the most sense with the menace. Mm -hmm. So, um, you could have a situation, um, where the menace continue to exist in the space right. in USL league too. Um, and you know, maybe it looks a little different as far as the, the promotional aspect or the, the selling of tickets and we take on a different model. You know, you and I talked, we talked earlier about the different models and mm -hmm. what different clubs do. Yeah. So there are clubs that you know, like to play at noon on Sundays. Right. Like, so we could, we, yeah, we could go from like just having, uh, going from the full on like tickets and sponsorship and other things to, this is just for us to scout players. Um, you know, we could continue to do a full board in, in a new stadium. Like who, I'm not really sure what, what that's going to look like. I do know that, um, on top of menace responsibilities, I'm actively myself, Lyle, Sydney here in the front office, are actively working the pro Iowa pro Iowa's movement, right, not, right. not the team name, yeah. but working, we are actively working that movement as well. Um, and we have signed a USL fran uh, championship franchise agreement. So it, it's, it's, a done, it's a done deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, so we are, and you've been in this building before mm -hmm. where we're working, but uh, you can look out the glass windows of this place and see uh, the site where the stadium will be built. Um, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. And, and the way that we're going about it is to be, uh, you know, top three, if not the best USL championship franchises in the country. Heard it here first. Um, yeah, based on based on fan engagement, based on, you know, the players that we put on the field, based on, you know, the stadium and amenities. Like, we will, uh, you can be sure that we'll do it right. Yeah. So it's, it's exciting for me. And, you know, I, I mentioned that as a kid growing up in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, would drive two hours across the state to watch the menace and now can be a part of, you know, making it, making a professional soccer stadium and team available to, to youth players here in the state. Um, yeah, it's yeah. one of the reasons that I'll be here for a while. That, that, that's a motive. Or hope to, yeah, hope, yeah, to be, yeah. hope to be here yeah. for a while. That's what, that's just, so that, that's the motivating factor. What drives you every day is just, you know, 100%. really coming full circle for you. Just like you mentioned, just playing here growing up and now you're actually getting a, a legitimate professional team. I mean, that that's yep. awesome. That was awesome. Yes. So last question I want to wrap up with is, you know, you'll be there for a while. So in 20, 30 years when Pro Iowa, whatever the team name is, is is wrapping up their, you know, back-to-back -back uh, championships, what, what do you want your legacy to have been in, in the Iowa soccer community? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so I think, I think, you know, and I just touched on this, but what drives me is, is the – the growth of the game um, here in, in the state of Iowa. And and there's many reasons for that. Um, one of the main ones is just like, just how culturally diverse the sport is and how inclusive it is and how it can bring people together. And you can learn from um, people from all over the world uh, via, via just a, a common sport. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I moved here in 2018. I knew people from, from growing up from two hours away, but just by, you know, by being a part of the menace, uh, but also like I play in so many different leagues and on so many yeah. different teams. Um, and like, I, you know, I, I spend Wednesday nights uh, with the Bosnian community. Um, I am the only non-Bosnian <laughs> that plays with them. Awesome. So that I've been, I've been accepted and we yeah. play and like now they're, now they're coming out to all menace games Love and, it. um, 
you know, uh, I, I, and uh, hanging out and playing uh, Sunday league here um, in international league. Like I, I have never uh, grown sick of this game and mm-hmm. I don't really see a day where I will, whether it's I'll, I'll keep playing until I can't move. Yeah. Someone, some would argue that I already can't move, but um, <laughs> hey, you can still strike. The ball, can, though, so that's yeah. I can still strike a ball and I can still co- coach on field. Yeah. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, I want my legacy to be grow- growing the game. Um, I, it's in some way, shape or form. I, I want to, you know, one is, and right now what I'm doing is, and saying for the menace is I want to provide, uh, kids the opportunity to watch the highest level of soccer possible. So by, by doing that with the menace, by, you know, just like marketing and, and getting people to come to games and showing parents what this high level of, of soccer can look like, um, we're doing that. Uh, I think that by having a professional team, a professional stadium, I would like to get to the point where my legacy is that, you know, we essentially were able to create a pyramid or pipeline to actually produce players. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's, I don't think that's in the near future. Uh, to be honest yeah. with Jesse, like it's going to take, it's going to take some time. Um, but, you know, you and I both as, as fans and followers of the game are realizing that the talent here in the United States that's being essentially just picked off um, yeah. is, is, is crazy. Mm-hmm. And once, once, the, once the U.S. figures out the transfer market and how much money there is in that and how you can be a self-sustaining club mm-hmm. just based on producing your own players, um, you know, I, like I, we're excited for it. Yeah. We're all about it. Um, and I, I would love to, you know, be able to look back in 40 years and know that I impacted um, just the youth soccer scene in the sense that we are, you know, able to produce not just like a, a kid going off to college or doing this or doing that, but mm-hmm. a kid that uh, is able to sign a professional contract. Love it. Love it. That's awesome. Well spoken. So, guys, Charlie, thank you for coming. Everyone go check out The Menace, watch some games. It is a very, very high level of soccer and you won't be disappointed. So again, Charlie, thank you. Jesse, thank you for having me. Thanks for the plug. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you soon.